So now the teacher begins to speak. Verse 12, chapter 1. The teacher begins by stating that he searched for meaning in every way that one could and found no meaning. He had the means to search and he did not find it. So he pursued wisdom. And this is what chapters 1 through chapter 1 and chapter 2 are largely about. He pursued wisdom. So in verse 12 of chapter 1, it says this, The teacher have been king over Israel and Jerusalem. I decide to carefully and thoroughly examine all that has been accomplished on earth. I conclude that God has given people a burdensome task that keeps them occupied. I reflected on everything that is accomplished by man on earth, and I concluded everything has accomplished is futile, like a chasing after the wind. What is bent cannot be straightened, and what is missing cannot be supplied. I thought to myself... I have become much wiser than any of my predecessors who ruled over Jerusalem. I have acquired much wisdom and knowledge. So I decided to discern the benefit of wisdom and knowledge over the foolish behavior and ideas. However, I concluded even in this endeavor is like trying to chase the wind. For the great wisdom comes great frustration. Whoever increases knowledge merely increases in heartache. What does he mean by that? The wiser you become, the more knowledgeable you become of how many people are not following wisdom. And how many people are idiots and not doing the right thing? You know what the right path is and nobody's doing it. You also become frustrated by the fact that you know what the wise thing is and you're not doing it. Right? You know how to be a good parent. You know how to be a good husband or wife. You've gone to so many marriage conferences. You've read so many books. And these principles seem so easy. Do these five things when your kids are arguing and will help guide you through. And you know it's wise. Okay, Ted Tripp has a lot of wisdom on this kind of stuff, and so does Dobson and all that kind of stuff. And you know it works, but then you try to do it, and your frustration comes out, and you can't do it. And now that you know the right thing to do, you actually just feel even more of a scumbag of a parent because you can't get it right. And so he says this is futile. You don't even know the meaning. Okay, and you, you can apply that to so many other things. It's just kids frustrate you more than any other category does. Okay, because you know they're going to need counseling. He, this is what he's saying. The more wise you become, the more you realize that you just become so frustrated because you can't actually implement it because of human nature. That doesn't mean you can't ever become a better parent or a better spouse, but largely speaking, you're never going to be arrived. And if you think you've arrived, then just ask your spouse and your children. <laughs> so he, he dives into pleasure, and this is everything. Food, sexuality, entertainment. Power, money, that kind of stuff. In Ecclesiastes chapter one, 2, verse 1, he says this, I thought to myself, come now, I will try self-indulgent pleasure to see if it is worthwhile. But I found it is also futile. I said, or meaningless. I said of parting, it is meaningless. Or self-indulgent pleasure, it accomplishes nothing. I thought deeply about the effects of indulging myself with wine. And all the while my mind was guiding me with wisdom the effects of behaving foolishly so that I might discover what is profitable for people to do on earth during the few days of their lives. I increased my possessions. I built houses for myself. I painted, planted vineyards. I designed royal gardens and parks for myself. And I planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I constructed pools of water for myself and irrigated my grove of flourishing trees. I purchased male and female slaves. I owned slaves who were born in my house. I also possessed more livestock, both herds and flocks, than all my predecessors in Jerusalem. I also amassed silver and gold for myself, as well as the valuable treasures taken from kingdoms and providences. I acquired male singers and female singers for myself. And what gives a man a sensual delight? A harem, which is lots of wives, of beautiful concubines. 
So I was far wealthier than all my predecessors in Jerusalem, yet I maintained my objectivity. I did not restrain myself from getting whatever I wanted. I did not deny myself anything that would bring me pleasure. So all my accomplishments gave me joy. This was my reward for my effort. Yet, when I reflected on everything I had accomplished and all the effort that I expended and accomplished, I concluded all these achievements and possessions are ultimately profitless, like chasing after the wind. There is nothing gained from them on earth. And we know this. I work with students all the time, which means I have to have, I believe, a very firm, firm thumb or foot in the world of entertainment and because this is what they're really much into. And then I teach a comparative religions class, which is all about how our philosophies and religions are being portrayed in entertainment. I've read a lot of interviews from a lot of wealthy, powerful people. And no matter how much pleasure they have, Rihanna, Jay-Z, Kanye West, Lady Gaga, movie celebrities, Heath Ledger, who played the Joker in Batman, and we can go to Jimi Hendrix and all these kind of people, we, if you actually read their interviews, Bruce Willis, Edward Norton, all these people, you read their interviews, and they are miserable. And they tell you that. Rihanna says she's always lonely in every hotel she goes to. She never knows who her friends are, that kind of stuff. And they say, well, why are you in this world then? Because I like people worship me and I like the fame. But it doesn't bring her happiness. Heath Ledger committed suicide after doing one of the greatest roles ever of bad guys in Joker. Okay, Jimi Hendrix committed suicide. Elvis OD'd on drugs because he was unhappy. Okay, lots of people have killed themselves. Lots of people are miserable. Bruce Willis is an incredibly hateful man who treats everybody like crap because he has everything and he has nothing. And you go through these people's lives and they're depressing. They have all the pleasure you could ever imagine. And there's no meaning. So he pursued work, building things, accomplishing things, making life better. That should be good, right? Chapter 2, verse 17. So I loathe life because what happens on earth seems awful to me for all the benefits of wisdom are futile like a chasing of the wind. So I loathe all the fruit of my efforts for which I worked so hard on earth because I must leave it behind in the hands of my successor who knows if he will be a wise man or a fool, yet he will be a master over all my labor for which I worked so wisely on earth. This is also meaningless. One of the biggest things he focuses on is no matter how amazing of a thing that you build, how much you've accomplished in all your 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 hours of work a week that you've been doing, or even in your own hobbies, eventually you will leave that behind to somebody else, and a good chance is they'll be an idiot. And they'll lose everything. Okay, and we know this. Maybe that guy is not an idiot or the next guy, but eventually there will be an idiot. Because all companies fall, all empires fall, and all things eventually get sold off, no matter how sentimental it was to you. Okay, And that's what he says. What did it actually accomplish when I built all this, and I built an empire, and it's forgotten? Think about how many empires have been built throughout the centuries, and how many great kings have carved their legacy into the world. And we have no idea who those people are. And everything that they have is just dust in the sand. That sounds like a song from the 70s. <laughs> that's what he's talking about. The other thing he will say is you can't take it with you. And that's that old phrase, there's no what behind hearses? U-Hauls. You never see a U-Haul behind a hearse. You're not going to take it with you. You're going to leave it to an idiot. 
Hopefully not your kid, but probably your great-grandchild. It's depressing, but it's true. Then he goes to wealth. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, 8 through 6, or 8, starting with verse chapter 5, verse 8. If you see extortion of the poor, perversion of justice and fairness in the government, do not be astonished by the matter, for the high officials watch by a higher official. If you see corruption in the government, don't let that surprise you. <laughs> Welcome to life. For the high officials watch by a higher official, and there are higher ones over them. And the produce of the land is seized by all of them. Even the king is served by the fields. The one who loves money will never be satisfied with money. He who loves wealth will never be satisfied with his income. This also is meaningless. And we know that. There's never enough for the person who pursues wealth. When someone's prosperity increases, those who consume it also increase. The more money you make, the more friends you have. Friends. That's what Rihanna says. She doesn't know who's really her friend. Because they're there for their famous. It's like when you build a swimming pool in your backyard and all those neighbors you've never talked to are all of a sudden your friends. Okay, The more that you have, the more that there's people who want to consume it. So what does it, the owner gain? Except he gets to see it with his eyes. And the bigger your house gets... The more bills you have to do, the greater the taxes. Now you have to hire a cleaning lady to clean it all for all those rooms that you're not living in. Okay? It just gets ridiculous. The sleep of the laborer is pleasant whether he eats little or much, but the wealth of the rich will not allow him to sleep. The more you have, the more you have to worry about. The more you have to lose. The wealthier you get, the more guards you have to pay. The, bigger, the better the security system. Because the better the security system that's protecting the greater thing, the greater the hacker that's going to be attracted to your house. Okay? And there's, just, there's this frustration that builds upon that. When the minute people see this incredible fortress, there's always somebody out there who's like, I can conquer that. Because there's something worth it inside. And then we can go on and on with the stress. Because if anything, Hollywood, as much as they promote this indulgent in pleasure and wealth and all that kind of stuff, they're also really good at showing all the meaninglessness of it and how it destroys your life. And the irony of Hollywood is they shove it in your face and say, you need it too. At the same time, all their stories and all their movies show everybody being miserable and failing in it, and they can't make the connection. And the people who watch the movies, largely speaking, can't make the connection either because the human heart still wants so these are the things he pursues. And if you think about it, there's not much that fits outside this category. These four things, wisdom, pleasure, work, wealth, are pretty exhaustive. And so all through the book, he keeps coming back to this. He'll come back to wisdom. He'll come back to work. He'll come back to this. So I've read sections to you, but basically he's going to loop back to these things for the next 11 chapters, and he's just going to keep saying the same thing again and reemphasizing this point in a little different way. I searched these things, and they were meaningless. And that's the first part that you need to understand. 